You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin with breaking news tonight. A child in Surrey's Guildford neighborhood has been rushed to hospital this afternoon after a frightening ordeal. First responders were called to an apartment building at 153 Street and 102 Avenue just after 3 o'clock this afternoon. A child was placed on a stretcher and into an ambulance. The child's condition is not known and it's unclear whether or not the child fell from a window. It was a particularly disturbing and heartbreaking crime, the murder of Maple Battaglia. Now, nearly eight years to the day since the young SFU student was gunned down by her ex-boyfriend, Global News has learned he has been granted an escorted leave from prison. Sarah McDonald is following the story from our newsroom. Sarah, this move by the parole board is upsetting Battaglia's family. Colleen, the escorted day pass was short and Battaglia's killer was shackled the entire time. But Battaglia's family wants to know why her killer was allowed to leave prison in the first place. Gurjinder Dhaliwal shot and killed 19-year-old Maple Battaglia as she was leaving a late-night study session at Simon Fraser University in 2011. Dhaliwal was initially charged with first-degree murder but ultimately pleaded guilty to a second-degree charge in this case. He was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for 21 years. But this morning, the Battaglia family says they were told Dolly Wall had been granted escorted leave to view the body of a dead grandparent. They say Dolly Wall first made an application to leave earlier this week when that same grandparent was gravely ill, a move Battaglia's family opposed in writing. But Maple's older sister says her family received a phone call from the parole board this morning, notifying them escorted leave had actually been granted. I want the public to know, like, how do you expect to move on when you're constantly reminded that the person responsible for your family member's death is allowed these privileges? You know, I really want to hear from the public. Like, how do you guys feel about this? Do you want offenders that are out there who have been charged with such violent crimes against women being allowed to participate in their family's lives, whether it's deaths or happy moments or whatever you want to call it? Natalia's sister, as you just heard, wants the issue of punishment and parole to become political with the federal election campaign now in full swing. Colleen Rosling Battaglia says she wants to see criminal justice become a campaign issue, particularly when it comes to women's and victims' rights. All right. Thanks for that, Sarah. It's been just over one week since two UVic students were killed when their bus plunged down an embankment en route to Bamfield. The road to the Vancouver Island community has been the subject of safety complaints for years, but the deadly crash has finally caught the government's attention. As Kristen Robinson reports, a meeting has now been planned with the Premier. It is a destination location, and the sooner that we can get that road fixed... Nestled in an inlet on the south shore of Barkley Sound... Bamfield promises remote and rugged West Coast beauty. But the road to get here, hit and miss. One day the road is, is okay, and the next day following uh, heavy rains, it, it can uh, uh, rattle the, the bridge right out of your teeth. On Friday, September 13th, the commute turned deadly. A bus carrying UVic students and staff went off the logging road, tumbling 20 meters down an embankment. Two first-year biology students did not survive. The tragedy reigniting repeated calls to government to improve the 85-kilometer stretch of mostly gravel connecting Port Alberni and Bamfield. 
it's critical that we come out with uh, something uh, tangible, um, some, some uh, form of action. Regional District Area Director Bob Beckett and Huwayat First Nation Chief Robert Dennis will meet with the Premier Tuesday to discuss Bamfield Road. Paving or chip sealing among the options to fix the surface, while Beckett also wants to see cell coverage along the route. 20 minutes away at the most from a cell site where you could pull over and, and access 911. That's absolutely critical. Okay, come on girl, Hop. Beckett makes the trip to Bamfield regularly, but says the state of the road drives tourists away and confines others to the community including seniors scared to travel for medical appointments. Because the road is so bad. It's the heart and soul of, of our two communities, Anakla and, and Banfield. People have to feel safe. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A woman who went missing overnight while hiking near Crown Mountain was rescued this morning. North Shore Rescue received a call at about 9.30 last night for a missing hiker in her 30s. Crews say she reached the summit at about 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon. She was later found near Haynes Valley at about 8 o'clock this morning. Rescuers say she was properly prepared with food, warm clothing and proper equipment, but she made a couple of mistakes, including relying on her cell phone. It was her first time up there. I wish she had gone with someone because um, her GPS didn't work. She didn't have a backup map, and she ended up off the trail and going actually east um, down into the Haines, which is an area where you have no cell phone contact and no people down there. RCMP recovered the body of a hiker in Banff National Park. The 70-year-old Winnipeg man was reported overdue by another hiking party on Thursday. Rescuers discovered his body yesterday, but rough terrain meant they weren't able to retrieve it until today. No word on a cause, cause of death. A spike in thefts from vehicles all over Vancouver has police issuing a warning. Between January and the end of August, theft from vehicles has been up 15.6% over the same period last year. The West End being the biggest target, seeing a 20.2% increase in break-ins this past August over the same period last year. 524 vehicles were broken into and items stolen last month compared to 436 in August of 2018. Police are warning people to lock their vehicles and not leave anything visible or valuable inside. The public is also urged to report all break-ins to police so they can track auto crime. In 2018, by the end of August, we had just over 9,000 theft from autos in the city of Vancouver. At the end of August this year, we're seeing just under 11,000. So one person can be c contributing to a much higher number. We're asking anybody in the, these areas which are seeing a spike in theft from autos, uh, downtown Vancouver, the southeast section of Vancouver, if you're seeing anybody suspicious, call 911. And if your car has been broken into, make a report, no matter how small it is. The ship that carried hundreds of Tamil migrants to the West Coast is now being demolished. The MV Sun Sea is being dismantled at the Nanaimo shipyard. A Victoria-based engineering firm has been awarded the $4.1 million contract from Canada Border Service to dispose of the vessel. The work is expected to take three months. The ship arrived off the coast of B.C. in August of 2010, carrying 492 asylum seekers from Sri Lanka via Thailand. It's been idle ever since. In June, the B.C. Court of Appeal ordered a new trial for the only person convicted of human smuggling in the case. 
All Western nations are struggling with the same problem. How to eliminate single-use plastic waste that pollutes the world's waterways and threatens wildlife? Well, now a Canadian environmental group has some suggestions. And the question now, will they work? Nadia Stewart reports. <laughs> a small army of volunteers combs through the sand at Kitts Beach, part of a larger effort to rid BC's shoreline of single-use plastics. It's nice to see people really coming out on the weekend and collect garbage from other people. It's just really great that we're working on cleaning up our community, like do our little part of it. Um, gotta start somewhere. Surfrider Foundation organized the Saturday cleanup. They say it's time for a ban on more than just plastic straws. They need to ban a list of single-use plastics that's consistent with the bans ratified by the European Union. The European Union ban includes plastic plates, cutlery, cotton swab sticks and food containers. Woodbury also says single-use plastic producers should be held responsible for their products from production right to end of life and recycling needs to be better incentivized. Increasing the bottle deposit rate to 15 cents for bottles under one liter, that's going to create economic incentive for people to bring these containers back. Saturday's event falls on World Cleanup Day. People in general don't seem to be very aware of mm. the actual science and the how severe this crisis actually is. And at the end of a week focused on the health of our planet, 16-year-old activist Greta Thunberg brought her message before members of the United States Congress, urging them to listen to the science on climate change. And teens in Victoria staged a die-in, saying inaction on the part of lawmakers could spell doom for future generations. It's why Surfriders is pushing for change. They say plastic waste and climate change are connected. Right now we have a recycling rate of 9% of plastics. And because of that, we end up emitting 1.8 million metric tons of greenhouse gases every year in Canada to replace what is lost. Nadia Stewart, Global News. And another reminder about why plastic should be recycled or disposed of properly. This black-tailed deer was tranquilized and captured near Camel River after it was found with a foreign object stuck on its hind hoof. Conservation officers removed what turned out to be a plastic cap from a jerry can. Afterwards, the deer was able to get back on its feet again. Well, you'll want to take some patience with you if you're downtown Vancouver this weekend. A Whitecaps game today, Elton John concert tonight and tomorrow night, and that's not all. Three cruise ships are docking at the Canada Place Terminal today and tomorrow. That means 30,000 passengers will flow through the area by Sunday night. That's increased demand on taxis and public transit. The Port of Vancouver says more than a million cruise passengers are expected in Vancouver during this year's 2019 cruise season. That's a 21% increase in passenger volume from last year. An elementary school in Sycamus has been closed indefinitely and its students are being relocated, all because of a mysterious smell coming from the building. And now, as Jules Knox reports, some staff are reporting allergic reactions. Breaks the routine, breaks the safety net. Classes are cancelled indefinitely at a Sycamus school because of a strong stink emanating from Parkview Elementary's west wing. It smelled really gross. The school district believes the musty odour got worse after a heavy rainstorm. But despite bringing in two restoration companies and WorkSafe, it still can't find the cause. That's prompted Interior Health to shutter the school until it knows what's creating the stink and how it can be fixed. It really makes you wonder kind of what's wrong since they can't figure it out. 
And, you know, if it's, are we going to be able to open this facility again or is it going to end up being shut down permanently? Interior Health doesn't believe there are long-term health effects. It says symptoms such as headaches generally disappear after a person leaves the building. In the meantime, many parents are left scrambling to find daycare as classes are cancelled on Monday and Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, kindergarten to grade 2 students will be moved to the nearby high school and older grades will be sent another 30 kilometres away to North and South Canoe Schools in Salmon Arm. When my kids first found out, they started crying. So they were really upset and they were really anxious. I feel unsafe and it's a half hour drive all the way to my school. For Foster, that means she'll have four kids in four different schools. That is very stressful because, you know, I, mean, I guess it really depends on bell times. If I'm going to have, I don't know how many kids I'm going to have to have in different places at different times. The school district did not respond to requests for an interview, but parents are curious why the nearby Maliqua school, which they say sits mostly vacant, isn't being used instead, as many of the children come from that community. Some of them already travel an hour to and from, so I would say a good four hours a day those children are going to have to be on the bus. The district has taken samples from the school's walls and it's waiting for test results. In the meantime, parents are anxiously waiting for a school meeting on Monday night where they hope to glean more information. Jules Knox, Global News, Sycamus. In the West Kootenai, a protected old growth forest is now a local attraction and learning space thanks to the efforts of community volunteers. Rossland's Golden City Lions Club worked for years to turn this stretch of trees, some 400 years old, into an educational forest. Six years ago, Atco Wood Products designated a stretch of the span north of town as an old growth management area. Since 2014, the Lions pushed tirelessly to turn it into a place where people could learn. And help from the forestry company, the forest ministry, and Selkirk College, there, um, with their help, there will now be a foot trail through the ancient trees along with interpretive signs. It's been a really diversified project, but it's, it's been five years that it's actually been in the cement mixer and now coming out the other end. But before that, the, it was definitely identified as, as being worthwhile. So we could say it started 40 years ago, five years ago at God Intense, and today it's now part of what everybody in the area can have and enjoy. Day 11 on the campaign trail was a quieter one as the country continued to react to the Trudeau blackface scandal. Both Liberal leader Justin Trudeau and Conservative leader Andrew Scheer took a break from the road today. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh campaigned in Toronto this morning, trying to highlight his commitment to help self-employed workers. He held a town hall about precarious work with former MDP MP Andrew Cash, who's trying to win back his Dav Davenport seat from the Liberals. We've got a plan to fight this economy that's been rigged against young people, an economy that's been rigged against everyday Canadians, that's been rigged in favour of the wealthy and powerful. We can change that. Elizabeth May, Green Party leader, was in Winnipeg today for an announcement on the party's plans to address the opioid crisis. We have to take emergency steps in an emergency situation. And it is far too dangerous to allow people, whether they're living on the streets or living at home with their parents, it's far too dangerous to have illicit drugs that are not thoroughly screened. And People's Party leader Maxime Bernier was in northern Ontario for a rally in North Bay. 
When a windstorm damaged the White Rock Pier last December, no one knew how long it would take to fix the famous landmark. Well, nine months later, the city is officially celebrating its reopening. Though, as Paul Johnson tells us, the work and fundraising will continue. Trying to land a coho salmon, Anders Battiston is enjoying one of the many uses of a big public ocean pier. Oh, I think it's awesome. Yeah, we, were, we used to fish here, but well, we fished here before it broke, just for flounder and stuff, and we loved it here, and then it broke. Two, one, Saturday not only marked the official reopening of the White Rock Pier, but illustrated something not always seen in a public works project, coming in on time and on budget. Money was four or five days ahead and under budget, so we're absolutely thrilled. The contractors did a fantastic job. We've still got work to do. In the days following last December's storm, the sensible bet might have been that it would be at least a year and millions more than projected to see people strolling along the wooden planks again. But a coalition of government and civic groups succeeded in raising the $4 million they needed. That, plus a competent contractor, meant they were able to pull it off. So while they've been able to replace that damaged portion of the pier, this isn't all of the work they intend to do. They hope to raise about $11 million, and they'll use that to retrofit the remainder of the pier to strengthen it and make it better able to withstand big storms. And checking back with Anders, like the Piers rebuild, you can see that tenacity and luck sometimes pays off. Yeah, it's keeper. In White Rock, Paul Johnson, Global News. Dozens of members of the so-called Yellow Vest group have been arrested in Paris for attempting to revive the movement by staging unauthorized rallies. More than 7,000 police officers were deployed in the French capital to make sure the group didn't take advantage of authorized climate change and pension reform protests. The Yellow Vest movement started about 10 months ago but petered out in the summer. Dueling demonstrations in Hong Kong today. Protesters burned a Chinese flag and chanted, Reclaim Hong Kong, during the march on the outskirts of the city. Police accused some demonstrators of throwing gasoline bombs at officers who responded by firing pepper spray. Today's event was relatively small compared to previous ones that have taken place for months. The protests started over a proposed extradition bill, but have expanded to include calls for greater democracy. Here at home, dozens of people joined hands in front of the Vancouver Art Gallery in solidarity with Hong Kong's protesters. In addition to the human chain, protesters here also penned messages of support and fundraised for those who have been jailed in recent months. Donations will go to the organization Spark Alliance Hong Kong, which assists with legal aid and medical support to those who have been arrested. Young leaders from around the world gathered in New York today for the first United Nations Youth Climate Summit. The panel of speakers included 16-year-old Swedish activist and climate change leader Greta Thunberg. I, I am very grateful for being Millions of people across the globe um, marched and demanded real climate action, especially young people. Um, we showed that we we are united and that we young people are unstoppable. Millions took part in demonstrations in more than 150 countries around the world yesterday. Thunberg started the climate strike movement last year. 
She will also be addressing world leaders at the U.N. Climate Summit on Monday. New reports tonight that U.S. President Donald Trump repeatedly pressured Ukraine's president to investigate former Vice President Joe Biden's son, raising accusations Trump used a foreign government to meddle in domestic matters. Tonight, a fiery Joe Biden on offense, attacking President Trump amid reports the president pressured his Ukrainian counterpart to investigate Biden's son. You should be asking him the question, why is he on the phone with a foreign leader? trying to intimidate a foreign leader. Biden's comments coming after the Wall Street Journal reported Mr. Trump pressed Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky eight times in a July 25th phone call to work with his personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, to investigate Hunter Biden for his Ukrainian business dealings, according to people familiar with the matter. Trump's doing this because he knows I'll beat him like a drum and he's using the abuse of power and every element of the, the presidency to try to do something to smear me. Today, the president again defended his phone call. Call it the Ukraine witch hunt, he tweeted. Nothing was said that was in any way wrong. And Ukraine's foreign minister today disputing reports of any pressure from Mr. Trump. This conversation was long, friendly, and it touched on many questions. With continuing concerns about why the Trump administration delayed military aid for Ukraine, Last night, the Pentagon announced the U.S. will deploy additional troops and military equipment to Saudi Arabia after its oil fields were attacked last week. The president has approved the deployment of U.S. forces, which will be defensive in nature and primarily focused on air and missile defense. The Saudis tonight still trying to determine where hostile missiles came from. We hold Iran responsible for the attack, but we are investigating where the launch emanated from. Hundreds of parachuters jumped to in the Netherlands to mark an important operation during the Second World War. Under a clear sky, parachuters reenacted the landing of British, American and Polish paratrooper operations in Market Garden. It was an attempt to liberate the north of the Netherlands from Nazi Germany in, the 19, in 1944. But after three days of combat, the operation ultimately failed. Today, the harsh battles were remembered by veterans and by royals. In Health Matters tonight, Canadian health officials are investigating at least three reports of potential vaping-related illnesses across the country. But Canada's chief public health officer says they're not confirmed. Theresa Tam says one of the cases is in London, Ontario. That's where a teen who used e-cigarettes daily suffered a severe case of pulmonary illness. The youth was initially on life support but is now recovering at home. It's not conclusive that the respiratory ailment was the result of vaping, but health officials say there was no other identifiable cause. BC's provincial health officer says she's expecting vaping-related illnesses will also be identified in this province, but Dr. Bonnie Henry says there are currently no known cases and no investigations are underway here. And you may want to think twice about stocking up on hand sanitizer this upcoming flu season. Japanese researchers tested the effectiveness of ethanol-based sanitizers on their effectiveness in killing influenza A virus. They found that in wet mucus, it took four minutes for the sanitizer to deactivate the virus. But if the mucus was completely dry, it took only 30, 30 seconds. Now, simple hand washing with soap killed the virus within 30 seconds as well, regardless of whether the mucus was wet or dry. You're watching Global News Hour at 6.
There is lots going on in downtown Vancouver tonight. Elton John is performing one of three concerts, but many are also attending an elegant event in support of a great cause, the Gift of Time Gala. And that is where we find our Chris Galis. Chris. Thank you very much, uh, Colleen. Yes, this is really the beginning of the evening gala season, busting out the tuxedo for the first time this fall at the Gift of Time Gala benefiting Canuck Place, an amazing organization. I'm with Debbie Butt, who is the Communications Director, Director of Special Events for uh, Canuck Place, and really events don't get much more special than this one, do they? It's such a lovely evening. It is a gorgeous hotel, and we have gorgeous guests, beautiful, wonderful community that has come out to help us. And Chris, we've got an amazing, amazing MC tonight. Thank you so much. Oh, well, I'm very pleased to be back. Thank you very much the, for the shout the, um, out in front of a oh, massive television audience here. Oh. Um, but really, this is about the kids and the work that Canuck Place does. Describe in a sense or two why it's such a special place. It's an amazing place for children with life-threatening illnesses. We provide care to over 765 children and families from across BC and the Yukon. And this event is so important so that we can provide that medical care and that clinical care at the hospice. It is an amazing place and I know it's such a, a relief to families and parents who know that this facility is there. And we're going to hear an amazing story tonight from uh, from a family that really benefited from the care and love at Canuck Place. Yeah, we're really looking forward to hearing from the Domingo family. Their son, Christian, passed away in 2016. And we're um, so excited for them to share the story of their son and the care that he received at Canuck Place. Their family is still receiving care through bereavement counseling. Mm -hmm. And it's such an important thing. We want families to go back and be whole again after the loss of their child. Well, this uh, event will help them do that. Thank you so much for the work you put into it, Debbie, and thanks for inviting me to be the Master of Ceremonies. Every dollar helps Canuck Place do the amazing work that they do. If you would like to, you can also donate online. Thanks very much, Colleen. Back to you. Thanks so much. Have fun and good luck. Furry four-legged immigrants meet their new families in Richmond this afternoon. The compassion and controversy attached to their story. We're going to have that for you right after the forecast. Kasha is here in for a vacationing Yvonne. And Kasha, it actually turned out to be pretty nice this afternoon. It did. It did. We did get some nice sunny breaks in there. Uh, that ahead of a cold front that's moving in for this evening. So we're starting to see the increase in cloudiness at this point. Temperature is sitting at 18 degrees. Winds coming in from the east-southeast at 15K. This is a look at what to expect for tomorrow. So we are going to be kicking off the day, a soggy start to the day, showers on and off in nature. Heaviest amounts of rain, by the way, are going to be moving in through the overnight for us in Metro Vancouver, clearing into the afternoon on our Sunday. And then as we kick off, the first day of fall, fall equinox arrives at 12.50 a.m. Monday, 16 degrees, and it's going to be an unsettled one because of not this this system that's moving in, but another one. I'll show you that in just one moment, but you can see this clear divide between the province. Uh, this is a look at the cold front that's already arrived over Vancouver Island, interior sections as well. You're being hit the hardest, western sections of Vancouver Island to Fino. I'll show you how much we're expecting for you. And then the rain really moves into the south coast through the overnight, through the morning, moves out into the afternoon, but then it's your turn through interior sections. The next system moves in on our Monday you may remain unscathed through interior sections from this system. But here's how much rain we are expecting in the next 24 hours. Prince Rupert, just trace amounts. You're pretty much done with it. But look at this. Tofino picks up 35 millimeters. That's 
through the overnight and uh, through early tomorrow. Everybody else, Powell River, look at that, 29 millimeters. And then over the next 48 hours, an additional 10 to 15 uh, millimeters of rain. Centimeters, that wouldn't be too good. Look at that. Uh, meanwhile, have a look at what to expect for the BC piece. Mainly cloudy skies tomorrow. A 60% chance of showers that's into the afternoon. 16 will be your daytime high. White Horse, it's a 30% risk of an isolated shower here and there. Mostly cloudy skies over here as well. The North Coast finally clearing out into the afternoon. Kicking off the day, though, with some light showers. 15 is your high Monday. It's going to be a gusty one. And then the showers make a comeback. Heavier amounts of rain. 10 millimeters of rain expected for the caribou in the central interior. Showers beginning this evening and lasting through your Sunday into your Monday as well. Columbia Lacutney, you're unscathed. Look at this, a sun cloud mix. But Sunday into your Monday, there is a risk of showers over here. The Thompson-Okanagan region is looking at showers beginning around noon tomorrow. Increasing cloudiness. We're already starting to see that. 16 for you in Whistler, 10 to 20 millimeters of rain. That's through your Sunday. Monday continues to be unsettled pretty much right across coastal sections as well. The rain begins tonight for a lot of us across Vancouver Island. This is a look at your long-range forecast for Metro Vancouver, guys. So it's going to be an unsettled first week of fall. Oh, it's to be expected. Thanks so much, Kesha. It is the day dozens of dog owners have long been waiting for. A large crowd greeted a group of rescue dogs that came into Vancouver from the U.S. As Jill Bennett reports, the adopters signed up weeks ago to save dogs destined to be euthanized south of the border. Every one of these dogs was destined to be euthanized. Absolutely. Every single one of them. 100%. Instead, Susan Patterson with Thank Dog I Am Out and her team of volunteers rescued them, bringing them to an adoption event in Richmond to find new forever homes. Oi, Bentley. Most of the dogs were saved from high kill shelters in Southern California. That's a sad enough story, but five were found in a much more horrifying situation. We're not sure of the reason, whether it's ritualistic, but on the Mexico side, there is a de dead tree and animals are frequently found hanging alive from their ankles from the tree. Looking at Bentley today, you would never know he was one of those puppies. His new owners fell in love instantly. Our house has been without our dog for about three or four years and we we're kind of ready to take a step and, and I, it's hard to put into words. He's, uh, he's going to be a part of our family now. It's, it's really exciting. Patterson saves foreign dogs because so many need homes. She realizes some people question why she doesn't focus instead on local dogs. The demand is so high and the BC situation in the lower mainland is so fabulous that their, their numbers of available dogs are very low. I've got a family friend who had a really great experience with Think Dog I'm Out. I'm looking for a running buddy and trainers have been saying that he's got a lot of energy. The dogs spent seven weeks getting professional training and socialized before heading to their new homes, hopefully making the transition a smooth one for everyone involved. Jill Bennett, Global News. So adorable. Nice. Yeah. And look who's here. Hello. Hi, how are you Hi. ladies doing? We're very well. How are you, Squire? I'm good. Thanks for inviting me to your table. <laughs> Wouldn't Happy have any. Well, here. wait, Barry would be here too. Well, he would. He's on not. vacation. It's now me. Uh, you, don't me you don't want me to read this part? No, do you? no I, don't. I don't. Okay. I'll tell you what I'm going to do then. <laughs> I know you're starting with CFL, right. but when does the NHL start? October 2nd for the Canucks. Okay. okay. Yeah, thank okay. you. Okay. I, now I know. Get your tickets. Get ready. 
Could be an exciting year. You never know. Never know. You never know. Uh, the CFL is really one of the most forgiving leagues around. You can be bad and still have a chance at making the playoffs because when you think about it, six of nine teams will make the postseason. So it's actually harder to miss the playoffs than to make them. <laughs> BC is still eight points out with six games to go, but they're not eliminated mathematically. And they do get another shot at Ottawa. Hey, there's Lamar Durant, Coquitlam kid, great SFU player, great athlete, really. And this is Mike Riley. To Shaq Johnson, speaking of great athlete, that is a nice catch. And this is on the first scoring drive of the game for the Lions. They were down 2 nothing at this point, but then John White just goes straight in as the C's part, biblical-like, <laughs> and it's 7-2 for BC. Then trickery. Riley, Deron Carter, he's going QB, and Shaq Johnson is wide open. That's a touchdown, and it's worth another look. Riley, Deron Carter, whose Hall of Fame father, Chris, I think threw one pass in his career as a wide receiver in the NFL, and he didn't connect. But his son throws a touchdown pass right there. That was uh, 43 yards worth. No, that was 67 yards worth. Lions defense still looking good. Sean Lemon harassing former Lion Jonathan Jennings, who has just been terrible in Ottawa. And Deron Carter again, this time from 14 yards out from Mike Riley. And at last check, the Lions are running away from Ottawa, 37-6 in the fourth quarter. Earlier today, Blue Bombers and Alouettes. And it looked like it was going to be all Winnipeg. Chris Stevler running in from 38 yards away. This would make it 21-3 in the second quarter. Winnipeg was up by 20 points after three quarters. Then it all unraveled. Devere Posey from Vernon Adams, 37-31. And hey, who's, look, who's at the game? Take a look. Who's at the game? Oh. Bianca's at the game. And she saw quite a game because third and three, Vernon Adams has to keep the drive going, gets to the first down marker and a little bit more. And then with seconds left, the comeback is completed as Montreal scores 21 in the fourth. They outscore Winnipeg 21-0 in the final quarter and win it. That's Jake Weineke with the 15-yard touchdown pass. They win it by a point over Winnipeg, 38-37. Whitecaps were home to Columbus. The team Vancouver usually has pretty good luck against, although this wasn't lucky. Nice save by Zach McMath, but then McMath trips up Pedro Santos, and that is a penalty kick after a great save by McMath off of Luis Diaz. So... Jazzy Zardes will make it 1-0 for the crew. McMath guessed correctly, but it was just too hard a shot. And it looked like Vancouver was going to lose this game. They were being outplayed. They didn't have any luck here. Theo Bear's shot hits the inside of the post, and it stays out. But in injury time, Freddie Montero gets open just enough. And he heads in the tying goal. And that was just before the referee blew the final whistle. So Vancouver with a 1-1 draw in a game it looked like they were going to lose. Not bad. All right. James Paxson of Ladner is on a roll. He has won nine straight decisions. Taking on the Blue Jays. Team he no-hit last year. That's a strikeout on Jonathan Davis. Got plenty of offensive help because that's what the Yankees do. They just score run after run after run. Giancarlo Stanton. Home run. And it's 10 straight wins for James Paxton and the Yankees. 
take on the Blue Jays and beat them 7-2 at Yankee Stadium. And the Canucks are playing right now. They are in Salt Lake City against the LA Kings. At last check, it's 1-1 in the first period. Adam Gaudet got the goal for the Canucks. Welcome back. The Seattle Seahawks get a damaged New Orleans Saints team at CenturyLink Field tomorrow afternoon. Without a breeze, a cold wind is now blowing through fans of the Saints. Quarterback Drew Brees will miss this game because of a thumb injury, so Seattle is a four-and-a-half-point favorite to start the season 3-0. and Sure, it's just two games, but Russell Wilson is off to the best start of his career. He's completed 78% of his throws for almost 500 yards and five touchdowns, no interceptions, and his passer rating almost 135. Now he faces a secondary that has given up three plays this season of over 54 yards. The running game is back. Collectively, the Hawks ran for 151 yards versus the Steelers. Rashad Penny with 62 of them, including a touchdown. Now they face a Saints side giving up 148 yards on the ground, sixth most in the NFL. Expect Seattle to pound the ball Sunday afternoon. The Hawks defense has an interception, six sacks, and are tied for second in the NFL with three forced fumbles. And now they'll try to feast on a quarterback who has just one start since 2017. The big news heading into this one, no Drew Brees. He's out with a hand injury suffered last week. Enter Teddy Bridgewater. After taking over versus the Rams, New Orleans only managed three field goals. Now the offense may depend on the production from Alvin Kamara. Quiet versus the Rams, but 161 total yards in week one. Defensively, the pass rush has been dominant, nine sacks through two games. Russell Wilson has been dropped eight times already, so look for the Saints to try to expose Seattle's offensive line. They'll need to if they have any shot on the road. The Seahawks are favored by four and have won the last three meetings at CenturyLink Field. All right. Yep. The All Blacks, New Zealand, they've won the last two Rugby World Cups, taking on South Africa, who won it in 2007. 26 minute, New Zealand up 10-3. Scott Barrett rumbling in. 17-3 at the half. South Africa does cut the lead. Peter Steph de Troyes gets loose. Straight through, 17-10. But this last penalty by the All Blacks seals it. They win it, 23-13. Fiji and Australia, and the Fijians got off to a great start. Great ball movement, and the Pacelli Yato will go in for the try. Fiji actually led this at halftime by the score of 14-12. Yeah, good luck tackling him. But Australia in the second half. Samu Karevi. And then one more, Marika Korobeti down the left side. No, no stopping him. They go on to win this 39 to 21. English Premier, Man City had a goal fest against Watford. First minute, David Silva. And then 
Riyad Mahrez off the free kick. It actually bounced off a defender's face. 3-0 in the 12th. Bernardo Silva, who had three, gets one here on the corner kick. This is 15 minutes in. It's already 4-0. Nicholas Odamendi from uh, Sergio Arguello. 18 minutes in. It's 5-0. Oh, it was ugly. Well, if you're Watford, it was ugly. If you're Man City person, it was great. It was a great 8. 8-0 eight over Watford. Okay weekend at the Toronto Zoo. One of the zoo's founding members, Poupe the orangutan, is celebrating her 52nd birthday. We're trying to go bigger with her um, because she is uh, the second oldest Sumatran orangutan in North America. So we're proud that she's doing so well here. Uh, we do always do birthday celebrations, um, maybe not as this large scale. I think he's very cute and he looks very um, observant. He looks like he loves to climb around. For an orangutan that is 52 years old, it's hard to believe that she is still so lively and she enjoys people. It's pretty cool because it's like a birthday for an animal and then he gets like all those gifts and stuff. I think that's pretty awesome. I always like seeing like monkeys and stuff like that climbing because they can climb so fast. We do want to keep her active. Um, one thing is, you know, we don't want to put all of her food in front of her and she just eats it and stays still the whole time. Uh, one, it's good for her to be active out here on exhibit, um, to, you know, just to keep her muscles and bones healthy. I think that people, because they have a connection with her, and she's been around since people were kids coming to the zoo, I think that um, people do have a connection with her. They like to celebrate these milestones with her. She's going wild. She's like her sign. It's her birthday. She's allowed. Thanks for joining us. Have a great evening. Thanks. <laughs>